0: it's finally here episode eight of the rise and fall of mars hill and uh this is our review for that episode it's been a little while and it's finally here so let's just get to it welcome in this is religionless christianity i'm your host spencer this is my beautiful wife nikki hello And we are uh, excited to finally be here. So before we dive into this episode, honey, is there anything you would like to say?
1: Um, Well, I'm sure everybody knows all the craziness in the world. I've been getting a lot of people to ask for prayer regarding um, approval of religious uh, exemptions from taking certain vaccine. So a lot of people are worried. People have lost jobs. And I know that could be a topic for another episode, but... We really need to pray for people's livelihood. Um, yeah, God God is our provider, though, so we need to remember that and thank him for that ahead of time as we go into prayer for people.
0: Yep, definitely lift people up. They have families and lives, and we've talked about our stance on the vaccine before. If you want to take it, if you don't want to take it, that's your personal business, but the idea that people's lives and careers and all that would be ruined over it is pretty heartbreaking. So just keep them in prayer. I mean, again, whatever your stance is, you know, like we talked about in our previous episode um, where we finished the verse that Beth Moore started, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, and you would not want your life ruined over a medical decision that you made. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would also want other people to have that same freedom. And Mm -hmm. um, just for me, um, we gotta praise our daughter. All of our kids are playing soccer right now, and it's chaotic, and I'm sure all of your lives are chaotic mm-hmm. as well. You know, we have four kids on three different teams. So it's basically soccer six days a week, which mm-hmm. is a lot to deal with uh, when you're working, you know, jobs and podcasts and all that sort of nonsense. But it's been fun. Our daughter, um our youngest daughter is, Probably actually the best player on her team, which is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it's an eight-year-old soccer team or a soccer, yeah, soccer team, and you know she's the best on the team. She's got some work to do, but she's <laughs> she's good, and it's fun to watch. And mm-hmm. it's just funny to watch the other kids that are older now, and they're like, "You need to play your position better." I'm like, you know what you did when you were eight, right? Like just run all over the field, like. <laughs> Let's slow down, you know, before we start throwing the insults around. So it's been fun. All the kids are good, getting better, um, been cooped up in the house for so long. It's nice now to actually get them out and have them running around and playing again, even though it yeah. rains every single I know, day. I was going to say this rain it's makes brutal. them
1: cancel all the practices.
0: Awful. Awful. Not a big fan of the rain. Um, we can't get back to the cold in the mountains fast enough.
1: That mm-hmm. is where our <laughs>
0: desires are to be, so yeah, just uh, praise for that, and um, hope that the rest of the season goes well. Pray for them that none of them get injured. You know, we don't want to see any injuries, Right. but anyways, today we are trying to go through our review of episode eight from The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I believe this one was called Demon Hunter was the the yeah. name of the episode, and uh just Looking at the episode as a whole, um, I would—I didn't think this was a great episode. I think you know, and I get—we're—we uh, may not be the most well-produced podcast on the planet. I get that, but we're reviewing them. I think the production of this podcast was a little off. Mm-hmm. I feel like the music was weird. It didn't really I fit. picked that
1: up. It was like a scary movie at one of the, when they were interviewing. Yeah, there was some Jen. scary
0: music. Really and odd. Normally the music has been awesome and everything. The production value has been really good. And this episode was not that. And maybe, you know, he opens the episode talking about how they were kind of rushed in some of these or trying to add in new content um, that they're just getting kind of in the moment. So maybe that's rushing their production so it's not quite as polished as it was but it's just you could tell the production seemed to be a little lacking here and again we realize that might seem ironic coming from a podcast that like ours that may not be the highest production value on the planet but <laughs> this is a review and that's one of our points. Um The other one and you can touch on this after me but I feel like this episode was not very easy to follow
1: i felt that way too
0: like i listened to the episode like two and a half times and i just felt like this was multiple ideas Mm -hmm. sort of crammed into one episode that loosely fit together so it was Mm -hmm. weird to follow and sort of make a connection on is that what you thought
1: yeah because i was like this doesn't really apply just to mark it could apply to a lot of churches who followed that same doctrine. So it wasn't necessarily just about Mars Hill. Like you're throwing a lot of other churches into this group here now.
0: Yeah. And we'll touch on that as we go through the review. But I think the overall, I guess idea of this episode, you know, it's called demon hunter and it goes into the idea of casting out demons and that sort of idea, a deliverance ministry. You know, but that was like a third of the episode of the idea. It was kind of like not the the entirety of the episode. I guess the whole episode could be encapsulated as most of the episodes are. Mark was this charismatic, egotistical um, leader, bad guy. So whatever he did was kind of looked at in a negative light. And this one just happens to be deliverance ministry.
1: Mm-hmm. So- it's like everything that he does he does it in a prideful way is kind of the main theme in all these episodes. Like, yeah, just cause you have some pride and you might, I don't know, just be too bold in how you present things and teach things. Isn't a reason to not teach at all.
0: No. Although I do think Mark came off bad in this episode. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. It kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. There's some things like you can teach some things, but the way he did it again, I was like, yeah, we'll touch
0: on those points as we go. And, that's something I want to talk about. It's kind of funny, you know, going through these reviews and, you know, we haven't gotten, you know, a huge audience from these reviews, but if you're watching these now, um, people have pushed back on us. Like we're somehow Mark Driscoll apologists and we've even made a point in this, that we are trying to not be that, even though we do align a lot with some of the things he says. Um, But people seem to think that we're just like a defender of Mark Driscoll and You know, we tried to make it clear in our very first review episode uh, that we are in agreement that he should have stepped down from the church, that he did enough wrongdoing to walk or that he should have left the church. And so if you're just jumping into this, and this may be the first review that you hear from us, and you're like, ah, what are these fools talking about? Like, (laughs) maybe before you tell us we're idiots and we don't know what we're talking about, you know, go back and listen to the other reviews, and then you'll actually understand that we are idiots and don't know what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Or you may find that you kind of agree with us, which is what we're not necessarily hoping, but that you can see where we're coming from. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the episode kind of opens, telling a little tale, mm-hmm. which is actually quite fascinating. Again, yeah. I don't know necessarily how it ties in with the entirety of the episode, but it's a fascinating tale about these. Uh, I'd never heard of it before, the Cottingley fairies. I've never heard of it. It's basically an idea of these little girls back in like 1917 take some photos of what they say are fairies, and they basically convince the entire population that fairies are real because of these photos that they take. And they were just lights. No, right? and uh, if you want to see the photos, I'll have those on our Discord. Uh, the links will be in the show notes to our Discord. You can go check those out. They're actually it's like almost haunting to see photos from that time period. Um, And a little bit weird where you're like, and these photos like tricked an entire population. Um, Even well-respected people, you know, they talk about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, you know, the author of Sherlock Holmes goes on basically like national radio and talks about these photos and his belief in the fairies and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, the mm-hmm. photos are definitely cool to look at, and again, it's loosely sort of like leads you into this idea of a charismatic leader that can sort of make you see and believe things that you may otherwise not see and believe, right, that's, but it was kind of weirdly kind, of I don't necessarily get it. I didn't,
1: I, I just, they were trying to say that's what Mark was doing to the church, just saying things and And in the beginning, they said people wanted to believe, like with the whole fairy thing, it's because they wanted to believe in, you know, those girls when they were older, and they said, well, we didn't have to lie. Those people wanted to believe that the photos were real. So that was Mm -hmm. the whole argument, I think. Like the people at Mars Hill wanted to believe all the things that Mark was teaching, even if it wasn't true. So I felt like they were attacking a lot of doctrine, you know, because it was all about deliverance and everything, and I thought... Are they saying it's not real or?
0: Yeah. And that's something, you know, I guess we can touch on now. I mean, this episode, you know, you start talking about, um, you know, the different flavors of Christianity. This one definitely goes into that with like the charismatic Pentecostal movement. And, you know, I feel like they walked a fine line as far Mm -hmm. as not coming right out and being like, these guys are kooks and Mm -hmm. talking about casting out demons and. All this sort of stuff, um, but without necessarily agreeing with like that being a thing you should do in the Christian church. But uh, so they they tried to walk that fine line. It seemed like to me. I think they got a little loose with it near the end. We might touch on that point here coming up. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I thought was interesting about this Cottingley Fairy thing and what I kind of had a thought on is this radio interview that Arthur Conan Doyle gives. And he basically goes on to say, um, you know, whatever he believes in these, believes in them to the point that he may give up his writing career at the end of his life because he wants to devote more of his time to, you know, spreading the message about, you know, this spiritual, um, I guess, part of existence. And I was like, man, here's this dude, super well-respected, He feels confident enough in his belief in fairies and gnomes to go on Mm. national radio and like tell the world and feel comfortable. And I was like, we've got Christians in America that have 5,000 years of Christian and Jewish history, the most well-researched and documented, reliable Bible on the planet. And they're like, uncomfortable to be like, I believe in Jesus. And I was like, right. man, if this Arthur Conan Doyle, I mean, when you see these pictures, um, if you haven't seen them and you jump on the discord, you know, it's funny to look at them and be like this convinced an entire nation. But then you have to kind of put your mind in a 1917 realm of what photography and stuff look like. And um, but mm-hmm. it just it struck me as odd that like. Here's this guy that's willing to lay his reputation on the line for fairies and gnomes. but we have people today with all the reliability, all the history and study and scholars and everything about Christianity, and they still feel uncomfortable to be like, yes, I place my faith in Christ." And I was like, man, why <laughs> that seems so backwards.
1: That's just how the world is, everything is backwards.
0: <laughs> yeah. But do you got a point you want to jump to? And sorry, just so this – I know we're kind of halfway through the episode now, but we sort of listened to this episode individually, took notes individually, and then Mm -hmm. we didn't look at them together. We were like, we'll just jump into this episode and see where it goes so we're not influencing each other either way. So it might be a little bit scattered. Yeah, I was
1: going to say it's going to be scattered. Well, I just want to say how Mike um, Cosper, the host, was like – I feel like he's mocking Mark's uh, testimonies of – deliverance and he, even people being healed and and those are gifts those are actually biblical like the gift of healing and there's going to be people who cast out demons and like all this stuff is in the bible and i felt like he was definitely just saying kind of saying like he didn't believe that that's what mark is doing and i don't know if it's like he's lying because he's prideful or what he was saying but You're still stealing a testimony of God, regardless of the character of the person that God did it through.
0: Yeah. And this is something that happens in a lot of these episodes where, you know, the idea and the way that it's portrayed is like, Mark is this bad guy, charismatic, egotistical, all these negative things. So you get this idea that he's a bad guy and then they go and he cast out demons and you associate like bad guy, cast out demons. So that might be bad too. Like...
1: It's almost tied in like,
0: and that's what we tried to warn you guys about earlier. And I can't remember what episode it was that like, just because Mark did some things wrong, like you got to be careful to not basically throw the baby out with the bathwater. If he did some things that were wrong and he got held account or held to account for that, that's good. But don't discount the good things. Like we talked about his gospel message was powerful and. The way that he, you know, looked to lead men and all these sorts of things that s- seemed very right, don't throw those out because you go, ah, well, he was a bad dude. I mean, right. maybe in some areas, but maybe
1: someone prayed with you, you know, shared the gospel with you, and then later on they fell away. Does that mean you're gonna ditch the gospel too and just what do you? And you, I think you, they
0: even said at one point in this that um, Mark says things in a way or whatever where like he says it. And you're just supposed to take him at face value that it happened, where he talks about like, you know, his visions and casting out demons. He just says, it, and you're supposed to take him at face value, which is funny because throughout this entire episode, we're basically led to a place where we're supposed to not believe what Mark Driscoll says, but everything else that everybody else says, we just are supposed to take at face value. Right. And it's very almost, I guess, ironic would be the word, right? So.
1: Yeah. So Well, I'm going to say one thing I didn't like about uh Mark here. So I know he does marriage counseling, and he'll use his gift, his spiritual gift, in the counseling in kind of a way to get um people to tell the truth. Because he says, don't lie about anything. We're going to be honest here. And so one of the things that was said that he gets visions. And so he had a vision of an affair early on in, I don't remember if it was whose marriage you know who was in the counseling class but and he just says out loud oh it was with this guy and in this place and this is what the guy looked like and and she's agreed and said yeah that's true but i just felt like i don't know like i don't know how he knew that so i can't say well, and that this is wasn't god but i felt like that was inappropriate to just call someone out like that right in the middle of the I don't know but if they know that up front and he's like hey i have visions
0: well and- i thought this was one of the areas that made mark look really bad in this and the host mike cosper points this out like because he talks about these visions and that he basically gets these visions from the holy spirit and he sees everything the sexual act the undressing and out and mike cosper even points out that like so you're telling me the holy spirit is showing you adulterous pornographic images yeah that stood out to me too. that does not sound like the holy spirit that i read about in the bible i don't know that for again obviously this is just us assuming but to me i was like and again i don't know how that could be because that doesn't sound christ-like and biblical to me that you the holy spirit would give you adulterous and pornographic images um but then again if what he said was true that he got this vision and pointed out in the girl again, we're supposed to take everyone else at face value right. except Mark.
1: She said it was true.
0: So if that's actually true and he just had this vision and went, Hey, this happened. Is this true? And she's like, Holy crap, how did you know that? Again, I don't know where it came from. It doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit to me. I'd love to hear from you guys if you know. Maybe of somebody has like that this.
1: gift. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I thought that was bizarre. It was I thought she was going to come back and say, it's not true. And I don't know. And I was like, okay, she said it was true. It was descriptive. But I do
0: think that one made Mark look bad Um, because he even talked in there about, you know, visions that he had seen that were um, child abuse, you know, sexual abuse on child or children and different things. But these
1: people said they felt freer after, like they felt better, like it was a good experience. I
0: guess we can jump to that now. I mean, that's getting more towards the end of the episode. Oh, I
1: know. <laughs> but
0: it's fine. Again, we're gonna be a little scatterbrained here. That was one of the major issues I had with this episode. And this drives me nuts. I feel like this is just a very modern um way of looking at it. So it kind of goes into Jen Smith, um, who we've talked about in previous episodes before. Mm-hmm. And um uh, She is kind of talking about how Mark basically tells her she needs to be delivered from the sin that's kind of, um, whatever holding her back. And he wants to do deliverance ministry with her. She goes to see him for delivery or deliverance ministry. And he gets like intensely personal, wants to know everything, all the sins, your deepest, darkest sins. Mm. And right. And she says, I, I mean, you are led to believe that. She comes clean on all of these things. And she gets deliverance in a sense. Um, and she even says that, you know, Mark wants to speak to the the demon.
1: The name of it. Like you have to get the name of the demon for it to leave.
0: And she says, like, I told him the name. And then she says something else again that the demon supposedly said. But then here we are now 13 years later. And she's like, ah, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I said it at the time. And right. I felt really free. And it was you know, freeing for me at the time, but looking back on it now. Right. It makes me feel weird. And I was I like, what like a that. twenty twenty one thing. Yeah. Because in that mindset, nothing is true. Like you can't literally believe anything without going, Ah, eh, but you know, in about five to ten years, I'm probably not gonna like I could look now and be like, Well, I know Nikki said she loved me, but you know, looking back on it now, we did have that one argument that one <laughs> time. So pro- like you could change your mind on anything. And not to mention they live in I'm assuming they still live in Seattle, the most godless city in America. So here you are, you had this experience, it's rough patch, you fall away, your church crumbles, and then ten years go by or whatever, and you know, you're sitting there around godless people whispering in your ear and you're like, you know, maybe I wasn't really freed back I then. I think and they you can know,
1: convince you and they can steal the testimony of God. That was my whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So God can move and then yeah, testimony's just stolen. But I was gonna bring up the other point that's kind of creepy about Mark. He calls the the girl sweetheart. Did you pick that up? I was like, I don't like that. I wouldn't want some other guy, even if it's a pastor, to call me sweetheart. Because it's kind of demeaning. It makes you feel like a little girl. It puts him more authority when he's calling you sweetheart. That's something you call a little kid. So that's that's kind of weird. And I think that does something to how you view yourself next to the person who's talking to you that way.
0: It does. Like I didn't a, like it either, but... It didn't bother me too much. Like, if that's just your mannerisms and the way that you talk, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I don't know. I mean, if that's just the way you talk, then it's just the way you talk, you know?
1: Not to another man's wife. Like, I you don't, don't know. do that.
0: Again, it was weird to me, but I don't want to say that that's good or bad. If that's, again, Jen Smith had been at this church since the founding. I mean, she was one of the core members, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. So, this, she's obviously. I think it was Jen Smith, or maybe he was talking to someone else. He might have been talking
1: about someone else. I
0: don't know. Either way, like if this is just who Mark is, and everything else in his life leads you to believe that he's an honorable man in the realm of marriage and you know sexual purity and stuff, we haven't heard or seen anything otherwise. So maybe this is just the way he talks. Again, it's weird. I wouldn't do it,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I don't know that that makes you necessarily a bad person person
1: because nobody's at least come out and said anything yet about him making any advances on anyone. no women. we haven't
0: heard anything there so that's um,
1: that's really good hopefully nothing comes out with that but
0: but i really didn't like jen smith at all <laughs> in this episode <laughs> and i don't mean to she like just
1: seemed double-minded that or if that was the one they were interviewing well about her the marriage. faith
0: doesn't seem and i this is obviously rough to say but her faith doesn't seem all that deep and genuine to me or like or all that solid, I should say, Like, because early in the episode, she talks about her husband becomes a pastor, and she's super conflicted about, well, oh, I have to be a pastor's wife now, and it's hard, and she doesn't understand how to like be this person. I related
1: wife. to those things, though, because I thought I would probably feel the same way. I'd have the same questions and really? the pressures. Oh, I, it's just me I like, related to that. Because in my mind, I, could...
0: I was like, why would you care? You are a pastor's wife. Be who you are what do it's you have hard. to look It
1: is a weird thing. Cause if you viewed a pastor's wife, a certain way and you had these expectations, then you're like, Oh no, you're flipping the script. Like, wow, I'm going to be judged the way I was judging. And everybody else probably was the same as me and judging. And it is a scary place to be.
0: Well, but she also says kind of like, or I don't know if she says it, or they kind of tie it into her. where like, you know, she has these questions about what a pastor's wife is supposed to do. And then they're like, because you know, the, um, the, the way that Mars Hill sort of, um, handles, you know, men and women's roles and mm-hmm. women are supposed to be more like subservient and all these sorts of things. So they're kind of leading you down this path that like Jen Smith is conflicted because she's supposed to be this humble servant. And, but then they also go on to say that she held prominent roles in the church and had, you know, great influence in the church. And you're like, I thought Mars Hill was supposed to be the super masculine women take a back seat. But then like the very next line is you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but Jen Smith was, you know, very important, held prominent positions. And you're like, Mm. it sounds like you're talking on both sides of your out there. But just overall, even at the end of the episode with Jen Smith, she goes on to say uh, she believed Mark had a power to see and heal something in her that she didn't. And I was like, okay. And this is kind of the idea that Mark is this charismatic, you know leader who's making himself you know seem bigger than he is and i was like i guess this is a little bit on mark a little bit his fault if this is the uh the way he's presenting himself but this is just as much on jen like you have a bible you have scripture she has a pastor husband there's no reason for you to not realize as a christian today that like there's nothing special about mark um we both have the Mm -hmm. same access to god through christ Yeah. So for her to not realize that and then be put in this position where she feels like ashamed and submissive to Mark and all these weird things, like that's just as much on her, maybe more so than it is on Mark. You know, if it's just, it's a weird thing to be like,
1: you can't just push off your insecurities onto somebody else. You can say, oh, maybe it was just satan getting in your head and, you're and you can't blame, blame somebody
0: else for your lack of understanding scripture. that's true yeah yes he can be at fault he's a pastor and if he's teaching you wrong but you have every right and ability to open that bible up and read it for yourself and go that doesn't sound like what the bible's telling me
1: right, so i right. i
0: thought jen smith came off pretty bad here apparently i'm the only one
1: well it's okay girl power well the other point that mike uh cosper was getting at i um just wrote down this quote how do we know when our instinct for astonishment is being manipulated and i think it goes along with that story in the beginning with the fairies like and i was just like well you just test all things against you know god's word yeah I don't know. I feel like, and he did quote scripture in the beginning. And I thought, oh, I didn't write that down though. But that was like the first time I think he actually quoted scripture and I can't remember what it was.
0: Well, I was going to, yeah, I don't know about that. I think this maybe ties more into, and again, this could be Mark Driscoll's fault. If his whole church, none of them really understand scripture for themselves, then that's a negative for the pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, you all have the Bible. Like this isn't 1300s. We all have a copy of the bible and you can open it up and you can read it for yourself and if you're drawn in by you know astonishment and all these sorts of things you can read the bible and realize where you're going astray um, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the pastor's fault that you refuse to open your bible when you leave church so yeah um, that's just as much on you as it is on him he's not alleviated of that for sure the pastors are held account for what they're teaching but we're not just blind dumb animals that can't think for ourselves right. Uh, I mean, me and Nikki's life, you know, we've gone to, uh, I mean, obviously we move a lot. So we change churches a lot, but there's been plenty of times where we've been in the same city for multiple years. And after just being in a church for a while where we once thought, you know, Hey, this is a great place for us. After a year or two years, we just kind of looked at each other and had some talks and been like, I don't think this is the right place for us anymore. Like we've kind of seen some things and, you know, we've moved on to other churches. Like we didn't just sit there and go. Well, I mean, what else am I supposed to do?
1: Right. I just have right. to
0: keep coming back here. Like, and I feel like this is what all these people say about Mark and Mars Hill. Like, you know, yeah, we saw all these problems. Yes. We noticed the issues and it was weird. I didn't like this and hated that, but I just kept coming back and you're like.
1: Nobody has like a testimony of like growth, like learning from anything.
0: And granted, I've never been abused to that level that I know of, but. So, and I can't speak necessarily on abuse (laughs) of that level, but like, as somebody who's been to a lot of church and I don't know, I'm probably going to catch flack on the whole like abuse and you just don't understand what they're going through. And, but I don't honestly, like, and maybe that's why we give Mark more of a pass than other people, because if you're like, oh, my life was so hard and I lost my faith and it was destroyed because of this dude. And we just. We don't get it. <laughs> we just, 35 years of being a Christian, going to probably 35 different churches, we just don't get it. So, again, we don't mean to be rude and crude about that. But yeah, that just strikes us as weird.
1: Did you want to talk? Well, we're going to talk about it. How Mark said that women are spiritually attacked more than men and women are weaker. And he probably meant spiritually, because if women are attacked more, we're the weaker vessel. But then I liked how, what's the guy's name they had on there, the other pastor? I liked his commentary. Sam or something? Sam Storms. Yeah, Sam Storms. And then he said, you know, he brought up the point, like, there's more men addicted to porn. Like, that women aren't attacked in that area as much as men. So that that one alone, I was like, okay, that's a good point, because... I don't well, think it's. I don't agree that women are attacked more spiritually.
0: So I've, I assume you're going to disagree. On this. <laughs> you we're not going to so? disagree necessarily, but so Mark makes this point that in his experience, women are attacked more um, spiritually than men, and then he goes on to give two scripture verses, and again. I would point this out as a negative for the podcast. They don't necessarily dive into the verses wholeheartedly that uh, Mark is referencing. So we have the first one here. It's first Peter three, seven. And it says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, and then he mentions a second verse, which is, if I can find it, it's oh gosh, what is it? It's Second Timothy. Let me see if I can get it pulled up. Second Timothy. I
1: don't know what chapter that is. There,
0: two. Second 2 Timothy two twelve, I believe. Uh, what does that say?
1: I can read it. Do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet for Adam was formed first, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor.
0: Yeah. So he makes these points that, um, woman or women are the weaker vessel and women are more easily deceived. And he uses these verses as kind of his background for that. And, um, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because if that's his experience, because the Sam storm guy goes on to say his experience was different. Mm -hmm. He's seen just as many men as women that have been deceived. And I was like, well, you don't get to say what Mark's experience in deliverance ministry was. Maybe that was his perspective because maybe he's just seen more women that way. And, uh, you know, I mean, and obviously if you're quoting scripture and it says that women are the weaker vessel, we can, you know, debate why they're the weaker vessel. Um, but it does say that. And then I did think it was interesting. Um, I wrote this down, uh, cause he talks about Satan didn't attack Adam until he married Eve. And I was like, <laughs> mm, I did not like the way that sounded, but I do agree that Satan attacked Eve when she was alone. So does this speak to her being the weaker vessel? more easily deceived because Satan didn't go after Adam. They were both separated. Mm-hmm. Satan could have potentially gone after Adam just as easily if he was alone. If as Adam would have
1: been there. This really just points to the scripture about like, um, I don't know what scripture it is, but you know, we shouldn't be a loner Christian. Like two are no. better than one. You can pick the other one up and he wasn't there to protect her from deception. What I wanted to just say, I I guess for the family unit, we know when the husband um, is following God, the rest of the family is more likely, mm-hmm. you know, when he's leading. So it just makes sense for an enemy to attack the head of the household more than, you know, the wife or the kids because yeah. you have the authority, you're going to recognize it. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense because Satan's clever. Like, he's smart. Like I, I'm not going to say he attacks men more than women, but to make it all fall apart, you would attack the head of the household, the man.
0: And I mean, I don't know, maybe this, you know, weaker vessel more easily deceived might've been something that was true in their time, you know, because obviously when Peter was writing this, women didn't study scripture and they didn't, you know, work and do all these sorts of things where like, nowadays women aren't really um, restricted from any of that. So a woman can have just as much, um, knowledge of scripture and God and who he is as any yeah, man. Yeah, we have so the Holy be, Spirit as well. Yeah, so you may not necessarily be the weaker vessel anymore in that sense. But again, if this is Mark's interpretation because this is what he's seen. Okay, I guess you can take him at his word, even though I don't like the way it sounds. And the idea of Adam kind of being hosed once he married Eve, mm-hmm. uh, I would not... Um, tie those together because god no. did give eve to adam so then you're saying to help god yeah. kind of um that was twisted did him so, wrong. I so i didn't like that necessarily um but again i didn't like how to your point the sam storm guy that got under my skin a lot when he was so they kind of touch on mark talking about these verses mike cosper says like hey we'll get back into these later and then when they get back into them Um, Again, they don't really deep dive into the Bible, but this Sam Storm guy, um, who's a more charismatic preacher, gives his take on women being a weaker vessel and more easily deceived. And he's obviously 180 degrees from what Mark is. And I don't know. When I heard Sam Storm, and again, I don't know Sam Storm. I've never heard his preaching. I was like, man, is he placating to women. Like, just talking about, like, he could not sing the praises of women high enough. And I was like, maybe if it wasn't 2021 in the world that we live in, where, you know, we're a feminist culture, women are, you know, superheroes and men are just oppressors and all these sorts of things. And I was like, Oh, it just seemed a little over the top to me, but that could be my own flaws. So I'd be curious. I'm sure none of you guys agree with me. No one ever seems to agree. I'll
1: have to listen to that part again. And,
0: it just seemed like he was going a little bit over the top. It's like, ah, oh, women are, you know, it's men's fault. Well, and then he went on to make this point. And I feel like this point gets made a lot about a lot of different things where he talks about maybe women are the weaker vessels. But if they are weaker, it's men's fault because men are domineering and abusive and oppressive to women. And that's why women would be weaker. And I was like, mm. what men? You know, cause yeah, I guess I,
1: I didn't agree with that part. I forgot about that.
0: Cause people do this a lot. You know, they'd be like, oh, you know, these people are whatever. You know, bad people or this company and these type of people are bad. But not the ones that I, you know, employ or work with. The people in my church, the men in my church, aren't like that. But all those other Christian men in those yeah. other churches, they're really if he's
1: gonna say that, then bad. he knows people like that.
0: Yeah, like I wanted to just stop and ask and be like, are the men in your church abusive and oppressive to women? Cause they aren't in my church. Um, so what, what kind of,
1: hmm. so I just,
0: I didn't like it the way that he sort of presented that. Um, yeah, it's just, you're kind of like making a straw man there. Like women are really weak cause men are oppressive and you're like, well, which men, uh, those other yeah. ones, what other ones you're like, I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I didn't like the whole thing. The whole thing was made me feel weird. So not a big fan of that. Mm. Um, yeah. We also um were reintroduced to you know our favorite uh media directing atheists. Yeah, see, I know I was just looking one. at that note there. Um not yeah. This was actually kind of talking more about our reviews as a whole. This has been maybe the biggest area where we get pushback when we talked about you know, kind of shame on Christianity today for interviewing atheists to give them a platform mm-hmm. to critique the church. And apparently everybody under their son or under the sun seems to be perfectly comfortable with atheists critiquing a Christian church, but I don't get it. And I'm still not okay with it. And then Jesse Bryant comes back in this episode. And again, why? I don't know what he contributed to this episode other than to toss Christianity under the bus again.
1: Yeah, because he was kind of talking about the. Was he talking about the counseling? I don't know my notes are kind of scattered.
0: Well, he was kind, kind of like, talking about the counseling. And the part that really irritated me is he's talking, he's sort of like um, talking like negatively or like mockingly about, yeah. you know, Mark and Mars Hill sets up this construct where children are under the parents and the wife is under the husband and the husband's under the elders and the elders are under the the pastor and the pastor's under God. So that they, there's always somebody over you. Like, oh, that
1: was him that said that. And I was like, oh, so you're talking about like
0: biblical hierarchy. Okay. Like it. Like, is that supposed to be a negative thing? But I guess, guess if you're an atheist, um, that could be something you have a problem with.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he like was just had a random small part. And I'm like, why is he here in this episode?
0: I even <laughs> why felt didn't like they want him on? <laughs> you'd have to listen to it again. But there was the short little snippet of Jesse Bryant. And then he leaves and Mike Cosper comes on. And I don't remember what he says, but he says something. And I felt like even Mike Cosper got a little bit away from his like traditional Christian message, which is usually pretty good. And, in, and I can't remember what he said, but in my mind when I was listening to it, I was like, man, even Jesse Bryant's bringing Mike Cosper down. Like, just a quick little interview. I was like, I feel like his spirit's getting on Mike Cosper and bringing him down. So I think Jesse Bryant has been a negative for Mars Hill. I think he's been a negative for this podcast. Um, and I will be praying for Mike Cosper that mm-hmm. uh, his spirit is strong around Jesse Bryant. That's just the vibe I get from him because everything I hear him say, I'm like, this dude does not belong on a Christian podcast. Yeah.
1: Well, that verse that I wanted to bring up in the last episode, like what fellowship does light have with darkness? And it's like there's too much agreement over biblical things between Mike and uh, Jesse. It's yeah. just, yeah, like what we were talking about, like issues you shouldn't be in agreement on because yeah, it's biblical I feel issues. Like and
0: We've heard enough from Jesse that we're like, we don't want to know his opinion on it. Like we feel like you're just as culpable in the fall of Mars Hill, but he's always sort of presented as, as this guy that's like an insight into what's wrong with Mark and all the, but no one ever looks at him and being like, why did you work for a church? If you didn't
1: actually believe. Yeah. If you don't even believe in, you know, the, the order of the home and all that, like we're the husband is under Christ and the wife's under the husband. And, yeah, the, Yeah, just the authority. He doesn't like authority, and he doesn't like biblical authority. It's, yeah, I don't know why he keeps having him on there. Like, just have him on the one time. Why does he need to come back? Or why does he have to have chime in on. at all on anything else?
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, do you have any other points that you want to bring up on here?
1: Um. No, they just kind of, well the whole thing they bring up about the culture of shame and i don't know i guess that's what we kind of touched on
0: well and Mike. that was kind of the big point of this episode was this and we kind of didn't even touch on that but the whole um casting out demons and this sort of spiritual counseling that took place they called them demonic trials at mars hill was kind of the name for demon, them. Trials. demon trials yeah and that was kind of one of the big themes in this and What struck me as odd is, you know, they're kind of making Mark, again, seem like a bad guy who's trying to get involved in everybody's personality. And he goes on to say that, you know, he counseled this one husband and wife where the wife was, you know, having panic attacks, lock herself in the closet, Mm -hmm. all these sorts of things. Um, She thought
1: her husband was having an affair. Yeah,
0: I thought he was having an affair. Um, But whatever, he digs into her um, and he even mentions in there that she went and got put on all these different medications and it didn't help. And then he finally gets her back in and I thought he asked her an awesome question. And I think it's a great question for us, especially in light of the world we live in today. He said, here's the truth. Here's the lie. Um, You believed a lie and you need to repent for believing the lie. Um, That's a paraphrase, but that's roughly what he said. And he basically told her like, Here's the truth. Your husband loves you. Here's the lie. He's having an affair on you when he leaves. You've chosen to believe that lie over the truth. And you need to repent for that. And he says when she repented, she was healed. Um, and they, you know, went on to live whatever happy life, but they kind of, Mike Cosper in this, they sort of talk negatively about this idea of like a spiritual counseling. Cause they're like, you know, clinical psychologists will tell you it takes years to bring out these deep-seated, you know, things that people hold. And, and if you bring them out too fast, it can be scarring. Hmm. But I was like, first off, this lady obviously went to a clinical psychologist, right. got the medication, didn't help her. But also, mm-hmm. this is why we choose spiritual counseling, because we don't want secular clinical psychologists. We want a spiritual right. um spiritual help for stuff that we believe is demonic um so
1: but i just wondered. i wish that she wasn't even on the show they were just talking about it (laughs) i would i want to know why why was she paranoid maybe she had a good reason i don't know her husband interviewed
0: her but they had to scratch to get jesse uh, bryan that
1: frustrated me because i'm like you don't know the guy might have been lying maybe he was cheating on her
0: Yeah, and you don't don't know. know. And again, this is sort of that idea of take everybody at face value except Mark Driscoll. Um, Because what he says is wrong. Where he tells you, hey, I did this, we talked about this, and this is what solved it. And then they're like, "Uh, how dare you? But just
1: because Mark agreed with the husband, he's like, well, the husband said he didn't lie. He's not lying. Like, Mark can be fooled. Like, just because Mark says the guy isn't having an affair doesn't mean that's the truth.
0: No, and obviously, and again, this is us just listening to an episode. We don't – this is just our interpretation of what we heard. So all of this could be wrong. Who knows? All I just of it don't could like when right, they have but. these
1: stories on there and the people aren't saying it themselves. Like, I want to hear well, an interview. <laughs>
0: I just don't like when you hear, you know, one person, a Jen Smith, a Sam Storm, and you go, hey, listen to this guy. What he's saying is true. And then they play something Mark says, and they go, yeah, can you believe that? It's so wrong. And you're like – Well, who's to say? I don't know. So it's just weird. I thought, again, as we kind of get ready to wrap this up, again, we were a little bit scattered in this one um, because the episode was scattered, honestly. It didn't flow very well. I didn't think it was a great episode. Um, Apparently, there's not going to be an episode nine next week. They may have a short episode or something like that. But as we get ready to wrap this up, honey, is there anything else you would like to say?
1: Um. I guess, yeah, I don't have – I think I went over all of my points here. Yeah. I think just be cautious of Christianity today for just kind of attacking doctrine in a way but doing it through someone they obviously don't like. The whole throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I would just be cautious, listen to any anyone. Like, we always need to test all things with Scripture and don't even – you know – We're not supposed to take Mark's word for everything. So don't take this host's word for, you know, don't believe everything that they say either.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, Listen with a discerning ear. If we're off base and you think we're off base, again, we'd like to hear from you. Um, Nothing we say here is meant to be confrontational or anything like that. That's just Mm -hmm. our points of view. You know, and when it comes to obviously demonic possession and casting out, oh, this was this was the point. Sorry, I wanna just tie this together. When I think it was after he interviews Jesse Bryant or they give the Jesse Bryant piece, they somehow, and I don't even know after listening to it two and a half times, they somehow tie in the Azusa Street oh, yeah. revival. And Mike Cosper, after the Jesse Bryant piece, he goes in there and he talks about how these people are seeing. I think he says something like they're seeing people speak in tongues and other crazy things.
1: Yeah, he says that. And I yeah, was like, crazy things. What?
0: I was like, so you're tying speaking in tongues with crazy things. And that's pretty divisive in the Christian world. And there's yeah. a lot of different thoughts on a lot of different ideas of speaking in tongues. And I just, to me, I heard that and I was like, you know, his, he didn't do a lot of this. And again, obviously he didn't interview Jesse right before he said that. This is obviously just being put together.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I was like, I don't know, man, he starts interviewing Jesse Bryant and it seems like his uh his theology is becoming I don't know, mockingly, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. It was just the way it rolled off his tongue. I was like, so speaking in tongues is crazy now too? Like uh, you're going to ruffle a lot of feathers with a lot of... Well, maybe not with Christianity Today audience people. Maybe they're just like, yeah, screw that. I don't know.
1: It would just be nice to have someone else uh, do the same, the fall of Mars Hill, who's actually a solid, really knows scripture. And-
0: well, and I'm sure Mark Driscoll was offered a chance to be interviewed here, but it would be great to hear him on this I wonder if and respond to trying these. trying to, maybe. You know, who knows, but... Anyways, that's our kind of scatterbrained review of episode eight. <laughs> it was still worth a listen. Uh, come jump on the Discord if you want to see these haunting pictures from uh, the Cottingley uh, fairies. They are something to behold. And uh, please let us know what you guys think of um, our take on Mike Cosper in this podcast. We're still fans. We like it. We encourage you to listen. Uh, we just, you know, we don't always agree. Yeah, But um, again, we're not Mark Driscoll apologists. We just, uh, (laughs) we don't necessarily agree with everything that they're trying to pin against him. So uh, we'll have, I think, episode nine review coming in two weeks. If they have another episode out next week, um, a short story or something to that effect, we'll, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll have that review as well. And um, otherwise, that's all we got for you guys. God bless.